Yo, this hot, this the spot, there it is, pod.com. We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them. We're talking about life and life to stream right to you from the microphone right to your home, dude. Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo, because there it is. Welcome to the There It Is podcast, a comedy podcast to help you find your inspiration. I'm your host, Jason Barr. Let's do this. Thanks so much for joining us. We have a special episode today in that it's with girlfriend of the show, Justina. This is not a pop talk. It's not a comedy shop talk. It's not a Christmas episode. It is a normal guest episode, and we finally got justina sparling on it's been hard she is busy she is doing so much and i i just i threw a hail mary pass out there i contacted her people i said please can she be a guest on the podcast can i interview her and finally after a lot of negotiating she said yes It was great. Very happy that it happened. And we have a fun chat about how she got into comedy. I learned a couple of new things. And you will too. We also talk about her not really doing comedy right now and not because of the pandemic. It's an interesting conversation because previously in the podcast, there have been guests who talked about how they did it in the past take a break from comedy because they just needed to. They took a break from improv. Will Hines talked about that. We haven't really had someone on who was going through that moment at the time of my speaking to them. So we delve into that. We delve into the why. And it's an interesting conversation because part of why is stuff that I was involved with. Like I was sitting next to her while she was experiencing what she was experiencing. And I had a different take back from that. So it's interesting to hear our sides of that part of the discussion. It's uh, it's a good talk. Well, let's just get right to it. Here's my chat with Justina Sparling. Everyone knows that we are from South Carolina, mm-hmm. but I don't think listeners know that you are originally from Texas. Okay. <laughs> You're from Lubbock, Texas. Mm-hmm. Like the chicks. I know, but I don't identify with Texas very mm-hmm. much. But I uh, you left there at a young age. Yes, I was eleven, and what I took from Texas is I do like cowboys. I like westerns. I like <laughs> I like country music. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did uh, you meet the chicks? No, mm-hmm. but you know Natalie is from Lubbock. Aren't they all from Lubbock? No. Oh, it was just her. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I don't know why I thought it was all of them. Yeah, the other girls are from Texas, I'm pretty sure, but yeah. but she's from Lubbock. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Was that something you thought about at all when you were little? Oh, yeah. About great sense of pride. <laughs> uh, but more important was Buddy Holly was from oh, Lubbock. I keep forgetting that. And he went to the elementary school that we went to when we were little girls. Oh, wow. And we had his chair on Buddy Holly Day, which is a holiday there for real. They would put his, his little school chair out. It was very sweet. How do they know it was really his chair? It was his chair. Okay. I don't ask questions. <laughs> Roscoe Wilson Elementary. <laughs> that is really cute, but it's just funny. I can't imagine so many years later that they would be like, this is the chair. We yeah. never got rid of it, and it was definitely his it's chair. It's definitely his. <laughs> Buddy Holiday was the best. All the boys would dress up like 50s boys, and all the girls would dress up like 50s girls, and we had poodle skirts. Oh, that's funny. It was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I know that when you were young, you were into ballet. Yes. Was that something that started in Texas or did that start later? No, that started later. That was in South Carolina. And that was just me following my younger sister, actually, because Mm -hmm. she was doing it. And I was like, well, and I also think my mom was like, we need to like narrow down the hobbies. So (laughs) I I did that as well. Like across the daughters. Uh Um, Not just. Yeah. Instead of you having soccer or whatever, right. and her having ballet, and then another having cello. Yeah, we all did. Um, <laughs> You're all going to do In Texas, my hobbies, well, I didn't like it at all. It was not by choice, but like an activity I did was violin. Hmm. And of course, I wish I had stuck with it. Wouldn't it be so cool to play the violin now? But man, I hated it. I remember hating it. 
and piano and in Texas also like that's when I first started like acting mm-hmm. in church plays and stuff. Yeah, that's the thing I was wondering. I hadn't I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. But I was wondering if that started then. Yeah. Yeah. I was in a church play and uh, it was like Sermon on the Mound, but it was uh-huh. about baseball. But <laughs> it was about Jesus. So it was like a baseball play. Yeah. And then someone is talking to the pitcher on the mound. Yeah, something like that. I don't remember a lot about it. I just remember I was the main character. I really you was. You were the main character? I was the main character. And, they, and it was a boy character, but they cast it as a girl and changed her to a girl because I was that good. Oh. Yeah. So it was a girl who was playing with boys. She was that good at, at baseball that she no, wasn't playing softball? I don't remember. remember I just remember it was baseball and Jesus. <laughs> that is, why have you not told me this? It was crazy. It was like in front of this really big church and there was like uh-huh. a spotlight on me and I remember people were like touched by it and stuff. Like it was amazing. <laughs> Where, how have you not told me I this? I had to save it for the podcast. <laughs> you saved it for eight years. Yeah. For the podcast it, that I've, didn't exist yeah. until three years into the relationship. That's wild. I think that's really cool. Is that what is that where the bug came for performing? I think so. I think so. And I just always wanted attention when I was little and always made people laugh. <laughs> you know, fourth grade, I was a little class clown. Like, I always had a desire to make people laugh. And I just loved the way it felt hearing people laugh and stuff. Were you... Were you homeschooled in fourth grade? No, no, no. The only homeschool years were second grade, mm-hmm. and then middle school, sixth, seventh, eighth, mm-hmm. and then tenth, eleventh, twelfth. Mm-hmm. But tenth, eleventh, twelfth was also, was also supplemented. supplemented with the going to like a charter school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so when you did the play, you had already been. What? How old were you when you did the play? Nine or ten. So you were like. Fifth grade, but fourth, fourth grade, grade you were already oh, okay. Yeah, so. a lot. Fourth grade was a huge year for me, huge honestly. Year. Yeah, <laughs> you had already been trying to make people yeah. laugh. Also, fourth grade was Oregon Trail year for me. You know, that was, that was the year that they. I think maybe third grade was when I first played Oregon yeah. Trail. Yeah, I mean, it, we played right. that, was, it was, that. That was that what we was did the, in computer class. That yeah. was that was what we did. Yeah, third and fourth grade is when you play that game <sighs> a lot. It was great. I I would say, despite how great. And huge fourth grade was for me. Mm-hmm. I did not finish the Oregon Trail. I died. No one does. I don't know. I literally don't know anyone who won at oh, Oregon wow. Trail. Everyone always died of dysentery. Mm. There were some kids getting really upset, you know, as the story goes, about like naming their family members their real names. Oh, yeah. Or like some friend or yeah. person you have a crush on and then they die and you're like, what? No. I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's. I, I wonder if that's why so many pe- people play Red Dead Redemption. But, yeah. Um, what's that called? It's not the same. It's not Oregon Trail. It's not video games. But like, what's it called when you role play? LARPing? LARP. Live yeah. action role play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, I, it, not the same at all, but I had to. Did I, you do that when you were in Texas? No. <laughs> Did you LARP when you No. <laughs> you mentioned that you like getting attention, and I... No, from seeing a childhood video. Yeah. I look at videos of myself, (laughs) and I am very embarrassed. I was such a bratty kid. I mean, everyone was, you were, I saw the videos, and you were just like any other kid, but it was hilarious. Well, I'm glad you think so. Because it was your baby sister's birthday, and because she was a baby, she couldn't blow out the candles, and someone just said... Well, she can't blow out the candles. Someone needs to... And then before they were even done asking, you were like, I'll do it! Yep. All out of attention. All out of wanting stuff for me. I think I was very spoiled. Really, really, really. And and then, like, we were opening presents, same birthday. And I, and I was, like, opening them for her. And I was like, These, this is ours. We'll share. And it's her birthday. This is for sharing. <laughs> well... You have grown out of that. Thank you God. didn't. You haven't done that at any of my birthdays. Mm. So Texas to Colorado. Yes, Denver, Colorado, mm-hmm. the suburb, I guess, or outside town of Westminster, Colorado, mm-hmm. and that was like eleven to thirteen, fourteen years old. Mm-hmm. And I've been there. It's a lovely. I've been to to Colorado. To Denver. I think it was maybe it was Colorado Springs. It was Colorado Springs or Denver. It was so long For ago skiing? now. For skiing? No. 
my dad was doing some sort of entrepreneurial thing there. And for whatever reason, even though all the people lived and worked in like North Carolina, for some reason we were going to Colorado and I was just visiting. And so I had to go basically. How old were you? I was maybe, it was either right before my senior year in high school or right before my freshman year in college. And I feel like it was right before senior year in high school. And you flew there? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and venture that it was not Denver. Because mm-hmm. if it was Denver, you would have been impressed and you would have definitely remembered the airport. You oh, I couldn't mean, you have know, forgotten it. was it. like the 90s. So no, but you could not have forgotten the Denver airport. Okay. It's It's amazing. <laughs> it's so cool. It's a white t- tent. I really, I don't think too much about the airport. Oh, right. No, no, no. Sure. I grant, I grant you got it. Me neither. But this is, but I, this is still one that, okay. yeah. Maybe. I feel like we also, I think what it was, was that we went to one town and then drove up from another to Denver or something. So I think that might also be why, if it was Denver, why I wouldn't necessarily know. Yeah. Because we we drove from somewhere else, but in Colorado, nevertheless, this is you know not important. But I've just been there and it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And you were there for a few years. Did mm-hmm. you do any? Yes, that's where I really, really got into acting. Mm-hmm. There was a rec center near us, the Arvada Recreational Center, mm-hmm. and they put on plays. They put on community theater, you know. Mm-hmm. And I did one. Um, did you redo the play, The Sermon on the Mount? No, I did a play there, and I'm actually just like now remembering that you haven't seen the video, and like you're gonna die when you see the video. Prince of Thumbs. <laughs> what? You haven't seen it? Oh my no. gosh. When we watch it, you're gonna lose your mind. <laughs> I was a snail, and um, it was like this Prince of Thumbs, and I. Um, What's it about? I can't really put my finger on it, or should I say? My thumb. Mm. and But I was a snail, and I was supportive, and I sang, and I was a very bad singer. I'm not getting down on myself. I just did not have that skill in me. Mm-hmm. And I had, like, a big solo, and it was just like, Ugh! it was so bad. But, but yeah, there's a video of it. And so that was something. And then there was another play I, we did. It was, like, a Western. And then <laughs> shortly thereafter, I don't remember that one as well. I didn't have, like, as big of a part in that. Like, they really mm. messed up on the casting somehow. <laughs> and But shortly thereafter is when we moved to um, South Carolina. Carolina. Mm-hmm. Oh, and also as far as, like, extracurriculars, ice skating was a big part of our lives in yeah, Denver. Yeah, um, Which, well, I saw you ice skate in Minneapolis yeah. recently. But I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. You had talked about wanting to. Well, mm-hmm. I guess... I guess I knew that you did because I knew you had ice skates. We just hadn't done it anytime we were together. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, has it been a while? Will she fall? And you you were fine when yeah. you fell. Like the, but yeah, you I mostly did not fall. 100% you're going to fall if you ice skate. Yeah. I think no matter how good you are. And you are, had a good fall. fall. Like, you know, like it wasn't like you were falling because you were just having a tough time. You were very good. Thanks. So. And now I moved to be. South Carolina. And yeah. And there is where you started doing improv. Yes, I was doing improv at the theater on the west end of Greenville. What's that theater called? Um, not Greenville Little Theater, nope. the center stage. Nope. Though I did do a play at center stage, and that was a very big acting thing for me. And that was like the in warehouse. Grade. The warehouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's but, what I meant to say actually uh-huh. when I said center stage, just because. I've seen improv at the warehouse. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never seen it at Center Stage. Right. So they don't do it at Center Stage. Chronologically, I did Center Stage first, mm. Hollywood Arms, and that was the Carol Burnett story, and that was really great. Mm. And I was young Carol Burnett, and then... You um, love Carol Burnett. Yeah, I know. Mm. I know. That was pretty awesome. And then I went to the Governor's School for Acting, which is great. Mm-hmm. And then I just did improv, like, at the Warehouse Theater. They had, like, a teen improv situation, you know. Mm-hmm. And Shakespeare in the Park one year, which was fun. And then in college, I didn't really do any acting at College of Charleston, but I did do improv at mm-hmm. Theater 99. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty awesome. And then I stopped everything right after I graduated college. Everything. Yeah, for how long? For a few years? 
it must have been well when we when I lived in Wyoming right after college, I actually did hook up with the improv troupe out there, but mm -hmm. like it was not fun. Mm. <laughs> they were all so nice, but I remember we did an outdoor improv show and it was like so bad. And oh, yeah. I was like, you know what? I'm good. I don't want to do bad improv anymore. You know, mm -hmm, not mm -hmm. that I had ever like it was just like I don't I don't love this enough to. Mm -hmm, suffer through mm -hmm. a bad improv show, mm -hmm, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I don't think I did improv again until Alchemy when I was 24, mm -hmm. you know? So when, 21 to 24, I didn't do improv. When did you start doing stuff with, like, Jason Underwood and Todd? Oh, I guess that was also Because didn't you do that in... I did that in high school. Yeah, I, that's what I, I thought. I definitely yeah. did Laughingstock. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, just a little bit. I was never, like, a full cast member back then. But I also got back into laughing stock after I moved back from Mexico. So 23, 24. Mm -hmm. So, so when you started doing stuff again with laughing stock, was that before alchemy? I think yes, slash concurrent. Mm -hmm. You know, like kind of at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and of course that's how we then met, at and the rest is history. Episode over. <laughs> so what made you want to, I mean, I know you said when it came to doing theater and, and acting and stuff, you were a big ham in fourth grade and you wanted attention and you liked making people laugh, but what made you get into improv specifically? I think it was just so interesting and new, even though improv wasn't new because this must have been 2006, 2007. Mm -hmm. But I feel like that was kind of the golden age of improv. I guess I can't say that for certain, but I feel like it was very fun then. Oh, and then also, how could I have not mentioned Who's Whose Line Is It, it anyway? anyway was a huge part of my childhood. Mm -hmm. And I remember, you know, mommy limited television. You know, she would say, you have to shut off the television now or like go to bed, blah, blah, blah. If Whose Line was on, we could <laughs> always watch it. Always. Yeah. We were always permitted to, encouraged to. She mm -hmm. would join us. Also, Mommy wouldn't watch television with us a lot, and she would watch that, watch you that. know? So, well, it was good, clean fun. Good, clean fun. Just, like, also funny. Funny, right. funny, funny, funny. Which ones were you watching? The Drew Carey ones? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then later in college, and when YouTube was big, I discovered you the British the, show. Yeah. yeah, Which had some of the same players, yeah. but just a different host. Yeah. But, well, that's cool that you got that. Yeah, it was awesome. That was, like, my dream. That's what I wanted to do. Oh, really? Yeah. You wanted to be on Who's On? Um, yeah, or just, like, make people laugh like that. Be that funny, mm -hmm. you know? Like, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I liked all of them. All of them. Colin, Ryan, Wayne. I mm -hmm, thought they were mm -hmm. all so funny and so talented. And uh, if there was ever an episode where one of them was missing, there was also always those three and a guest, right? Mm -hmm. And then, but occasionally one of the main three would be missing. And I just remember like being like devastated, <laughs> but it was always so great. Yeah. No, those are, that show was great. I know. I mean, what can I say? Yeah. It was just so funny. <laughs> I, 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 I haven't, I haven't experienced that. I feel like where I just laugh, 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 um, at something and enjoy it so much. I feel like that's kind of what you have with SNL. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. But there's shows I feel like we laugh a lot at. Like, we were watching Murderville and laughing like that at that. Yes, but not, like, whose line? <laughs> yeah. Murderville, I found myself, and this is just me being cynical and being, like, you know, I don't know. You're watching it, and you're like, it's no whose line. Well, no, I'm watching it, and I'm like, I, that wasn't the funny thing to say then, you know. Blah, blah, mm. You know, whose line always beat me. Oh, They were always so funny, and the funniest that it was possible to be, you know. In my yeah. opinion. I mean, I get that. Maybe, though, it's because you're like a teenager watching who's lying. No, I know. I know. <laughs> That's why I say it like, comes from cynicism. But no, it now. does, though, because when I was in high school, when I was a teenager, if I ever beat someone to the punchline, I would be like, well, then why would I watch this if I can come up with oh, that punchline? Oh, that's punch interesting, line? yeah. Which now I would be like, if some kid came up with a punchline, or like, set a punchline before the comic, and then the comic says the same thing, I would be like, good for you. Yeah. Yeah, comedy brain. <laughs> right. But, you know, at that time, at some point it switched to if a punchline I had or a joke I had ended up, like like if I ended up seeing it on a show, I would be like, oh, I 
maybe I can be that funny. Mm, but at first, I was very much like, they're not funny if I can think of that. You know, I think, I think if I think of a joke and then I see it on television or, you know, something in that capacity, I'm like, there's no magic anymore. Mm, I get that. I think most comics feel that way. Yeah. Most people who do comedy seem to feel that way. Yeah. I think that's why so many don't watch other comedy. Because mm, they're just like... Interesting. Bored. <laughs> I think that's why people love Rick and Morty so much. It just like always surprises people. It's, also, it's something insane. Yeah. 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 And a lot of the stuff that people knock on is stuff that is like designed to reach the most people. Yeah. You know, it's designed to hit with the most people. So it ends up being... Um, Something is maybe if people more comics will see it as low hanging fruit or something. Like yeah. That. Well, that's interesting. That nothing has made you laugh that hard. Not even me. Oh man. <laughs> oh brother. I don't think I'm as funny as he's lying. I don't think. I don't if you are, none are. No one is. Mm-hmm. Conan tickles Conan's me. Conan's pretty high. Pretty, yeah, pretty. It's <laughs> pretty hilarious. I think there is something, you know, with a lot of comedy now, it either has to be like off the rails insane, like Rick and Morty, or it is hard to sort of surprise people, you know? I just feel like nowadays the comedy is all about being smart and clever, Mm -hmm. and the response you're looking for is clapter. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of that, yeah. Was that Seth Meyers? That might have been Seth Meyers, yeah. And so, like... The, like, bending over, doubling over in laughter is, like, not sought after anymore. Maybe it's because, like, nobody can make anybody do it anymore. So, like, okay, we got to go for something else. And there's also so much. Yes, there's a lot to, yeah. I was thinking about this the other day. I'm not sure if this is the reason, but if you go back 25 years, you go from there being, like, three or four shows that comics are writing on that are like late night type shows or or a sketch show to a few more than that. And now it's like a bajillion. A bajillion. We were like flipping through Peacock the other day to watch Seth Meyers. And so you went to the talk show area. (laughs) Thinking it would just show three. And there were so many. (laughs) And they were probably not all like comedy based, but they all definitely have comedy Mm -hmm. in them because that's Mm -hmm. just what talk shows are like, you know? Mm-hmm. There were so, so many. many. I was overwhelmed. Yeah. And it makes me think, like, I don't know. It makes me think nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, what it makes me think, in the early 90s, if you wanted to write for a late night show or something in that style, you had Leno, Letterman. Let's say this is 93, when Leno and Letterman had taken their spots on NBC and CBS. Arsenio was on the way out. Chevy Chase was briefly there. Dennis Miller was briefly had a show. And then you had SNL and Conan. Like, those were the only shows. There's no Daily Show. No John Oliver and Samantha Bee. All this stuff doesn't exist. Not a lot of shows. Mm-hmm. And now you have so many. And so I think the best talent is getting spread over... However many shows there are, there's so yeah. many. And so I think that the best shows work, but then there are a lot of shows where it's like they're just kind of painting by numbers like everyone else. Yeah. And those shows maybe don't last super long, but I don't know. There is a bit of a drag about the format of comedy writing, and yeah. it's in a lot of shows. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like that. Mm-hmm. I feel like that for myself. I feel like it's the end of comedy. But who knows what the future holds. Yeah, so right now you're taking a little break. Yes. And so, just to catch people up, if they don't know, there's Alchemy. You were, you know, you and I were at Alchemy yes. for years, and then we moved to New York. Yeah. And we're doing stuff at Magnet. Yeah. And you're on a house team there. You've been on a couple of house teams there. And now, you know, those house teams have been retired and you're on a once a month team. That's a great, you know, everyone I talk about all the time. You're not alone. But other than that, you're like pumping the brakes. You're not yeah. doing the weekly thing anymore. No, and I don't have any desire to. I don't know. It's kind of, I think it was a long time coming. I think 
moving to New York and doing comedy up here really, really changed my perspective on comedy and showed me or I learned about myself by doing it up here that I don't want to do it. You don't want to do it at all? There's a there's a lesson that I took from all of my time up in up here and doing comedy up here. And I'm not saying this is what was being taught. I'm saying this is what I learned and I took from all the different comedy that I've done up here, which includes, you know, different theaters, different groups of people, different teachers, different shows I've been to that we've paid money to see, you mm-hmm. know, like not even just improv, just comedy shows, is that being funny is not as important as being correct. Mm. And being correct is very hard to define. Mm. And if you are not correct and you mess up and you're learning and growing, forgiveness will be very hard to come by. And I just always imagined that doing comedy would be about being funny. And it hasn't been like that up here for me. Mm. That's interesting because I feel like there's so many people we've seen who've been funny and we've both enjoyed the shows. Yeah. No, no. Agreed. Agreed 100%. I cannot deny that at all. We've seen some really, really funny shows up here. Like I remember walking out of a theater and like any number of theaters, including but not limited to the magnet and like just you and me talking about the show the whole way to the train because we were just like laughing so hard about Mm -hmm. all the things that were said, of course. But I feel like that was the exception, not the rule. Hmm. I mean, we've seen hundreds of shows, Mm -hmm. so it's hard to say. I mean, and also maybe I'm only thinking about the times it was fun. (laughs) No, that's right. That's what I'm saying. It's like Thoreau said it's not what you're you look at it's what you see Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so like you and i went to all the same shows together not all the same shows but like a bunch of them we both looked at the exact same thing Mm -hmm. we might have seen different things you know or heard Hmm. different things yeah i mean i definitely think that we're in a weird space with comedy it's a long time coming because i feel like people sort of learned some of the wrong lessons from even so like daily show where it's it's for so long, people were saying, like, you know, comedy is to speak truth to power. And then people were like, says who? But that became the reigning voice. And that's mm. like a 10 years running sort of attitude. Yeah. And I think that's gotten ingrained in a lot of people. And I, the pendulum might be swinging back the other way because I've just seen a lot of people sort of make fun of that today. Yeah. There was something Whitney Cummings was saying that was along those lines of, like, Comedy is supposed to shine a light on the dark or, like, push people through their fear to the brink or blah, blah, blah. She was saying all this kind of stuff. And then Mark Maron responded, also, you might want to put in there, be funny. Yeah. Because <laughs> she didn't mention that part at all. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just, I do think there, it goes back to the clapter thing. I think there are a lot of people who want clapter. I don't, you know, when we see, like, Armando Diaz, I haven't really, I haven't witnessed that sort of thing, but there are plenty of other shows of any variety. Yeah. Where it does seem like, let's stay in this pocket so we don't get anything wrong. I mean, we've talked about this before. Yes, yes. But there is a like, let's not get anything wrong attitude that that is happening in comedy now. And hopefully it's swinging the other way to where people can just be more open. Just goofy, just silly and goofy and funny and happy and. And, like, you can be a bad person on stage, and we can all know that you're acting, and it's just right, you're funny, it's, you know? you're not being for real, yeah. Oh, man, that's a thing. That's a real thing that I have experienced, where I played, like, a mean person on stage, and then, you know... Someone took it the wrong way? Yes. Wow. It's like acting. Or, I mean, and we won't give names, but someone was sharing with us somebody who yes. said, like, this person is a sexist, and it's like... They were going by an improv scene. Yeah. They saw them in and it's like, that was an improv scene. Right. Do you understand? Also, are there not allowed to be bad characters in improv stories anymore? I think there's been so much talk about being careful. uh, And I understand being careful. uh, But there's been so much focus on being careful that it's made people feel like anything that maybe 
is jarring from a character. Like if a person's playing a mean character. And so if it's jarring, then it's not careful. And if it's not careful, then they were doing wrong. Of course, that's not true. But I feel like some people have twisted the understanding of what it is. Like when people are talking about being careful, what they were meaning is, hey, maybe don't force someone to do something they're not comfortable with on stage. Yeah. Or don't make rape jokes. But like otherwise... People can do stuff where it's like, yeah, maybe because of your personal experience mm-hmm. that touched on, that reminded you of something that was difficult to deal with, but that's not the same as being racist or sexist. So, like, why are you putting it on the same pedestal? Yeah. And and I think a lot of people put it on the same pedestal and, and aren't getting called out for it. I think it's weird. I think it's because it's the cool thing to do. You mm-hmm. know what? It reminds me of... Of one time when I was living in Wyoming, I hiked a lot. And mm-hmm. I hiked a lot by myself also, mm-hmm. not just with friends. And I was going on like a 20-mile hike one day. It was really awesome. And I was on the path. And I remember like there were like twigs and rocks on the path. And I had never done this before. But I was like, oh, I should move these twigs and rocks. Because like the next person might not see them. Like I'm seeing them. And they might trip on them. Mm-hmm. And I did that for maybe a mile. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is the dumbest thing <laughs> I am not enjoying my hike right now, <laughs> thinking of all the people I'm trying to take care you of. Were, you were and more then, tidying up than hiking. Well, yeah. yeah. And I was like doing it out of concern and quotation marks for other people. But guess what? Other people, other people are adults. Other people are adults. <laughs> and other people, I, they should know that they take on an inherent risk <laughs> in going on a hike. Mm-hmm. And part of that risk involves looking in front of you where you're walking. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so... In as I was like trying to take care of people, I was ruining it for myself, and I was infantilizing them. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. And, it's one thing if it was a branch, right? But a twig, you know, well, or something. Small. Even a branch. Sometimes there's a big old branch in the middle of the hiking. That's part of the hike. You climb over it. You mm-hmm, know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think and, in hiking, maybe that's not the best example. I just, I, I, you know, I just mean like what you were doing was not within reason. Exactly. And then, and, and so nowadays I don't feel like, I I feel like what I'm watching and when I'm on stage for improv, it's all like being very careful. Let's all be very, very careful. Make sure we're not saying the wrong thing and we're all very careful. And, and if somebody says something that might be (laughs) interesting. I've definitely done that. Yeah. You know? And so like, to me, it's just not fun. Mm. It's just kind of sad because it I do think it infantilizes an audience I have been in the audience and I've been on stage in both situations and in the same situation that is where we're just trying to be careful and I don't like the feeling as an audience member because I feel like I'm missing out on something I'm like get to it we get get to the comedy let's Mm -hmm, you know and mm -hmm. but we can't even get there because we have to be very 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 careful about the words we're using yeah so which is is sad to me because I think comedy can be awesome Mm-hmm. I think it can really, not to Whitney Cummings it, but like it, it does challenge people. It does. Sure. Uh, it does like. I mean, I don't you know, know. You've seen me watching Seth Meyers and, and John Oliver. And I think, especially in John Oliver's case, because he's delving into something mm-hmm. so much for so long, I think that that is the sort of thing that challenges people. But you also love Conan, who's not trying to challenge people, but. He is just like being silly and having fun, yes. and there is like a, 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 an abandon to that that's really freeing yes. and fresh. And he often plays jerks or <laughs> a version of a jerk. Per, like yeah, when yeah. he, I've seen him on several of his remote bits, <laughs> and he's like flirting with a woman, with a woman <laughs> like a total douchebag, <laughs> and it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. If a guy were doing that for real, yeah, it'd be really creepy, but it's comedy and mm-hmm. it's funny. Mm-hmm. Also, like when his when that documentary, Conan O'Brien Can't Stop, mm-hmm. came out, I remember a couple of people, it wasn't a ton, it wasn't the main attitude that people took, but there were a couple of people who said, well, I don't like the way he treats his writers. And you look at the clips of him with his writers, 
if you hadn't seen the movie and you heard someone say, oh, I don't like how he treats his writers. Doesn't sound great. Right. You would think he was like barking at them. Right, Or right. saying like, this needs to be better. And then you watch it and he's teasing them. Yeah. <laughs> the way people teach. So I'm sort of like, I don't think, I think there are some people who have some sort of blindness to what teasing is and they only see it as bullying. Yeah. But it's actually the opposite of bullying. Teasing is to bring someone in, not to push them away. A bully is trying to just take control and push them away or whatever. Doesn't care. They'll discard them. But someone teasing, they're trying to have fun with you. I feel like, speaking of blindness, I feel like people have blindness to caricaturing. Mm -hmm. And they're like, I don't see a caricature. I see someone being sexist, being... Uh -huh. Racist being a cruel orphanage, madame. You know, mm -hmm. like it's just a caricature. We're mm -hmm. all having fun, right? Well, satire. I mean, kind of has to embody that stuff. Yeah. And I feel like I don't know. I don't. I I don't like the policing thing that goes on now. And sometimes I may even agree with the person's point of view or perspective, but I don't like the policing that they are doing. And then some people. When someone is calling out someone for something genuinely horrendous, mm -hmm. then people will sort of talk about the policing in those sort of situations. It's like, come on, like they're not—they're not making a mountain out of a molehill. They're calling a mountain a mountain here. So it, it's—I think it's a really complicated discussion now, more complicated than it should be or needs to be. But ultimately, it sounds like you're for you, comedy is just supposed to be free and fun. And I mean, I've seen your comedy. You're not trying to be mean or, or take pot shots at people. You're you're like Conan in your comedy, like your brand of humor. That's the nicest thing you've ever said to me, ever. Well. That's the nicest thing anybody's ever said to me. Well. Uh, I don't believe you. <laughs> See, that's just you being cynical. Mm -hmm. But for real, I remember when Colbert was on Colbert Report and John Stewart was on The Daily Show. It it seemed like there was a, an almost pressure for Conan to be that kind of way because there were some people who would start asking him, why doesn't he do that? And he was sort of like, I don't know that comedy should be for making serious points. I don't know. Like yeah. He was just sort of like, I, I goof around. That's what I do. Yeah. And like... That seems like it, it. He doesn't deny that the important because he's like friends with those dudes, right. so he he liked and appreciated their comedy. But he is a goofball, and you are a goofball, and it's wonderful. That's really nice. Thank you so much. I feel like there's not really room for goofballs right now. No, I see goofballs on TikTok, and they're it on gives TikTok. Me great pleasure, right? But like, look at how people respond to Jimmy Fallon, who is also like he's just. A song and dance entertainer and mm -hmm. goofball. He doesn't have the irreverence that Conan has, but he that is his style of humor. Well, he doesn't have the irreverence that like Conan and I have. You no, can say, you can say right. to both of us. That's yeah. true, that's true. But he gets a, he gets dinged a lot because he's not doing what Colbert or you know, all like what everyone else is doing. And i there are people literally I've I saw some comic literally say, if you are not I can't remember the exact phrase, but they were like, if you were not, it was, it was in response to Trump, basically. And they were saying, if you were not using your comedy to make a political point, then maybe you shouldn't be on network television right now. And it's like, mm. are you fucking insane? That is, like, that, that is, is the insane. only kind of comedy that can exist? That's, hey, like, do you hear yourself, you know? That is when so elitist. That's, yeah. That is so... And it's also... And censorship and like, just I know what is the most important for everyone. Everybody. Right. Oh my <laughs> like gosh. Like it's insane. What about, what about the people, the social workers who work hard all day yeah. and just want to break at the end? Nope, <laughs> right. not allowed. You have to watch comedy with a point. Right. You know? And and also that person very much meant their point of view. Yeah. It couldn't be someone else's point of view. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. It couldn't be, <laughs> heaven forbid, 
someone with a different point of view. And that's what we've seen. Yeah. Right? Like, there are all these comics who have different points of view. And because it's not the one that we've been beating the drum on for mm-hmm. a long time, then it's, or it's not worded exactly yeah. the same, then it's, well, no, 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 not that either. It's all, there's a lot of that weirdness in comedy in general. And I think that's part of the reason I really love Murderville. You know, as we're talking more about this, like I'm thinking more about this, and this is honestly something I try not to think about that often because it makes me sad because I used to love comedy so much. But I think the main thing that is really great about comedy is that it helps you maintain perspective because everybody Mm. takes things so seriously. Mm. And if we take a step back and make fun of it, we can remember it's not that serious. (laughs) And I'm not talking about rape. I'm talking about things that people take too seriously, like work, and then you can step back and do a funny improv scene about a weird boss and, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. the mundane day-to-day and be like, oh, it's not that serious, you know? Yeah. And I feel like by being obligated, whether said or unsaid, but that feeling of obligation of having to do comedy that matters or art that matters or art that's right or comedy that's right, you just, you're you're not going to be able to. I just kind of feel like if you want to do it, then you can do it. And if someone doesn't, then they don't, you know? Yeah. Because like when George Carlin was alive, like the last 10 years of his life, he was still being like serious George Carlin making jokes, but also stuff like Conan existed Mm -hmm. and SNL and, Whose line is it anyway? You know, like all these different things. I just feel like people didn't take themselves quite so seriously as people are right now. But I agree with you that like, why can't we just have some some silly little fun? Yeah. Maybe that's why I can't do improv is because it's like a team and you have to... But your team wasn't like butter, butter, butter. Number one was named butter, butter, butter. No, I know. Yeah, it was. And like you all were all just being silly and fun. Yeah. And that's why you all worked together. No one was like up there trying to dethrone Trump. Right. (laughs) It was a fun time. Like you, you've had those experiences, and then also like you know, like like Sean Cantatori's show and stuff. Like those shows were just funny, delightful. You know, like just super fun, but also like what we're talking about, we want to see more of. Yes. I think the thing is that that is not out there in as big of a way. Yeah. As the silly stuff. But, you know, like Ben Schwartz is still out there doing his thing. Mm -hmm. He's not, he's not doing the thing we're complaining about. No. So I think we have a lot of options to like enjoy while there is maybe. Maybe there are too many options of the serious, serious, serious. There are plenty of options, I think, out there of the fun, silly, let's just have a good time type yeah. stuff. Yeah. But I'm also, I was just actually thinking yesterday, like, I know a lot of people make fun of Paul Blart Mall Cop, but, like, there are people who also love it. So, like, yeah. I've never seen them because, you know, it just wasn't for me. Yeah. But I'm not going to say those people shouldn't get to watch it. Right. And obviously, it's resonating with a lot of people. Yeah, it, so it's like, successful. Right. And it was. It also wasn't, like, hurtful. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It wasn't, like, people being mean. So I kind of don't like when people dog something like Paul Blart. It's super elitist to, to dog Paul Blart. And then only act like the only thing coming out there is, like, this super important stuff. Yeah. Like I just, it's all out there. Some is a, has a little bit more cachet. I just feel like there are a bunch of different things out there that we all can enjoy, and I, I don't like the how serious some people are making certain things. Yeah. Also, I, you know, I think I have the awareness, I think, to realize that I probably sound extremely cynical, and I'm sorry. <laughs> it's how I'm feeling right now. Yeah. But knowing myself, I know I won't always feel this way. Mm-hmm. I just, you know. Well, no, like that's not only like knowing yourself, but people, they go through different phases. They go like things yeah. ebb and flow. And it's like what you're thinking right now. But then like in a couple months, you might have a completely different attitude. Yeah. And, and an attitude that you keep for years. Like mm-hmm. who knows? I, I was also thinking a lot of comedy. Part of the reason why it doesn't have a great shelf life is because it's very much in response to something at that time. Yeah. And it's hard to be outside of that time 
or never having lived through that and understand it. And so sometimes when we look back at old comedy and are like, this isn't funny. And it's like, well, it's because they were responding to something that was very common at the time that isn't now. Right. And so some of our feeling right now is like us responding to something that's really out there right now. Yeah, that's true. And also like, it's been a long time since we've been weekly doing shows. Yeah, I know. seeing shows. It's been a way long time since we've I seen I know. And shows. it's interesting, like, the things that we remember. Like, you remember all the good experiences. I do remember the good experiences, too. But I also, I think, like, the bad experiences stick with me more. I don't know why. I don't know why. I think it's, like, common for humans in general. Then why do you have the good experiences stick out to you? I don't know. Um, Superhuman? Okay. <laughs> No, I just mean, I think sometimes some of the fun stuff doesn't stick, but people do have a tendency to pick up on the negative. I think I heard something about how that's almost like evolutionary because something back when we were just living off the land and very tribal and didn't even have real language to speak, if something bad was happening, we had to pay attention to that because it was life or death. So now we get super triggered if something bad is happening and it's just sticking with us longer. Yeah, maybe, um, yeah, yeah. But That's interesting. Yeah. And anything that feels... Like, that's the thing about comedy. Everyone's... Like, right now is a lot about, like, safe space. And so now if something... Even if it's not something that would make you feel unsafe for you... You can easily go like, oh, someone might get upset about that. Right. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and so that becomes like danger. And because your, I feel like the head. rules are ambiguous sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, don't be racist. That's pretty clear. But you no know, rape jokes. That's yeah, pretty yeah, clear. Yeah. yeah. But then you might say something, I don't know, and not even know that it's a bad thing to say. And then you're in trouble. You know? Oh, yeah, it's not like you're sure. going to... I just... I don't feel like you're going to learn the lesson easily. I don't think... The lesson teaching comes from love. I don't think it comes from love or caring. Yeah, I think it's maybe, I would say it like it maybe comes from love or caring for who they feel is a subjugated group, but it definitely doesn't come from an empathetic or like forgiving Mm -hmm. perspective for the person who's doing it. And also, everyone has done that. Everyone has said something that would offend someone. Yes. They're like so many people have been caught with that where they're like pointing and yelling at somebody else and saying like, oh, they said this thing that's so offensive in their joke or in their tweet. And then someone goes back in that person's tweet and is like, well, you said this thing about Mm -hmm. this other group of people. And then it's suddenly like, be forgiving. I'm not perfect. And it's like, well, why don't you use that logic when you start to point and yell at other people? And I don't know how that... (laughs) It's like everyone is forgetting that. Oh, we're all in the same boat here. Can we just acknowledge, like, again, this isn't the defense of indefensible things. This is the, I'm talking about the average everyday stuff. But it's super hard to talk about publicly. I know. Because people will attach something that you're not talking about to what you're saying. Yes. And it's like, well, that's what's make, this is what you're talking about. That's what makes comedy difficult because people attach things you're not talking about to you also that yeah for sure for sure yeah yeah and then people are being careful because they don't want something to be attached right so better to say less it's all very neutral yes it's very neutral and it's like i don't i don't want that because comedy inherently is there's something that's sort of like and i go back to like conan at the emmys just being like Free and, and wild and silly. Yeah. You know, it was like no abandon. <laughs> you know, like that to me is what comedy is. It's someone who's just like letting it go. I mean, that's that's the thing that I miss. Yeah, me too. Like who is today's Robin Williams or Bill Murray? I know. Yeah. We don't really I think have those easily. Yeah. Though. Or Jim Carrey. And of course, someone will point out something wrong that one of them said one time. You yeah. Know, like something that was insensitive, wasn't viewed as insensitive at the time, but it is now. And so then they say like, well, he said, you okay with this joke? And it's like, uh, well, I, I love your comedy. I love seeing you perform. I hope you don't do a moratorium on it forever. 
But I understand why you're not doing it right now. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. I don't know. Because I think it's so important to be creative. And mm -hmm. I think it is so, I don't know. And so I don't know how to be creative anymore because I don't want to do improv. I really, I'm, I, I just don't want to do improv. I don't know. And it's, and, and like for reasons that are fully me, nobody else. Like yeah. I am just like, I feel like I'm improv'd out. I've done improv for so oh, many yeah. years. And seen so much. It's easy yeah. to get improv'd out. And so. People got to take breaks. Yeah, but now I don't have a creative outlet at the mm -hmm. moment. Mm -hmm. But I'm hoping that just by pausing, like I've looked at classes like language classes and like random classes. I'm like, oh, should I spend like hundreds of dollars right now to do this class? And I'm just like trying to like pause mm -hmm. and just like think about it or not think about it. Just like mm -hmm. be still mm -hmm. and I don't know. We'll see what happens. But Well, I yeah. don't think you're the only person in that boat because I feel like a lot of people are taking a step back from improv. Yeah. And it's, comedy in general. Yeah. It's weird to be up in New York and not be doing comedy. It's like, why am I here? You know? Yeah. What's the reason? But I think there's other stuff that we can still enjoy up here, though. Yes. That you can, like... I mean, as far as doing something, I know comedy was the big draw. But when it comes to, like, seeing exciting and interesting things... Definitely. Like, there's plenty of that here. Oh, yeah. So, you know, that's a reason. That is a reason. Maybe also, I'm here... Oh my God. Well, I know I could go anywhere and you'd follow me, even if you were grumpy about it. Baby. Well, we're at the end of the episode. It's time to create something together. And I say, do you want to create something that's just free and fun and silly or uh, try to like figure out a headspace to get into being free, fun, and silly? Oh, interesting. Do you have an idea for the free, funny, silly thing? No. I don't know what we would do. Got it. Because, like, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like I observe how people are doing things a lot. And I'm, I'm trying to think of, like, well, how could somebody, like, where are people being free, fun, and silly? And it's like TikTok. But I don't really love TikTok trends. Right. But some of my favorite creators are not involved in trends at all mm. they're just party hardison yeah they're just, just being funny, funny. Yeah. like what's the girl from hacks that we love so much oh megan statler i don't know statler? I, I truly don't know yeah, you could name yeah, her yeah. and i wouldn't know her name but she's so funny. so funny she's not doing any kind of trend she's just like putting a camera on herself while she says the craziest things they're yeah, so funny they're just it's just characters good character work. Yeah, yeah 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 She's wild. She's so funny. Yeah. She's, she is somebody else who's like that, who is just like going for it. You yes, know, and she's with no so abandon. Going, exactly, exactly. So funny. You know, and also, I, I think it can't be understated that like you need to be around people that you feel, and I hate to use this word because I don't like the way it's used a lot of the time, but where you it feels safe mm -hmm. to be yourself, mm -hmm, you know? Mm -hmm. Maybe we can do the headspace thing. Or think about, like, other creative. What would we, what, like, what we would like to see that's not out there anymore? That isn't what I was getting at. Oh. But I was going to say other creative, not methods, not venues, mm -hmm. creative <laughs> outputs, creative outputs, creative Oh, okay. Change. Other creative outputs outside of comedy? Yes, but, but what's the word? Uh, creative output is mm -mm. something I've heard. Expressions, output. Endeavor. Output. Endeavors. Oh, man. Creative. creative outlet is what I always heard. All right. <laughs> so that's what you want to do? Like, what's another creative outlet? Oh, well, yeah. So is it like being the creator or taking in other work? Mm-hmm. Being the creator. Mm. Let's start a business. This is what I want to do. I just want to start a business. Okay. Okay. And um, the business is that you are 
It's a service, mm-hmm. not a product. It's a service. <laughs> and the service is that uh, it's it's flower delivery. Okay. Okay. And you deliver the flowers to somebody. Somebody pays you to do this. You go to the person's indicated person's house. And it, like a guy would do this for his wife, you know? Mm-hmm. And I show up with the flowers and I'm like, these are for you. <laughs> and I, and then she's like, oh, thank you. Thank you. Who are these from? <laughs> and then I say, as the flower delivery person, I've already said too much. I, I really must be going. But first, may I sing you a song? And the woman's like, I, I really have to get back to work. And then I say, it's a quick song. Uh-huh. It's, it's a song my mother used to sing to me when I was little. May I sing this to you very quickly? And the woman's like, yeah. Okay. And then I sing a song and I make it up on the spot. That's where the improv comes in. And it's just an improvised song. But it's like really beautiful and sad mm-hmm, and it makes mm-hmm. the woman cry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And right at that moment, the husband who ordered the flowers mm-hmm. for the woman shows up and he's like, what, what's going on? Why is my wife crying? <laughs> and the woman's like, she just, she just, but she can't say it because she's so, 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 so choked up. <laughs> and so I'm like, well, I made her cry. And before I can say... By singing this song, my mom used to sing me when I was little. He punches me in the face. What? Yes, because he's defending his wife. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, oh. And then I run off. Uh-huh. Meanwhile, his wife he's is. He's a hero. He's a hero. <laughs> such a huge aphrodisiac for her. <laughs> and then they go in and they do it. Happy Valentine's Day. And it's such a successful business. It's oh, such yeah? a successful business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and eventually, it's so successful that I can pay for as many facial reconstructive surgeries as I need, which I will need a lot because I keep getting hit in the oh. face. <laughs> All right, well, a couple of problems. Okay, I don't really understand how there could be a problem, but I'll hear Number you out. Number one, you'd have to always have this song. A song that would make every person cry if they heard it, which. But that's that's why people pay me the that? big. That's why people pay me the big bucks is because like I can look at somebody and just by a quick look at them be like, okay, I know like what kind of like E minor, A minor, Ooh. like would make them cry. Oh like, wow! Yeah. I mean, that's a tall order. Yes, is it is, and that's why I get paid so much to do this. Okay, and then I don't know how many wives would be like you. Punch that woman, I'm very turned on. Right. So <laughs> let me unpack that. <laughs> Basically. Would you dress ev- up as a I man? Have, I have a target audience. Okay. And my target audience is women yeah it's just basically really bad people and and women who are specifically turned on by men hitting flower delivery people oh wow yeah it's wild they're out there I don't know if it's so much that it would be that lucrative oh it would it would because I charge like so much per delivery okay yeah it's wild what would you call this place Let's see. Flower power, aphrodisiac, sad songs, wife's hot, punch you in the face, a bunch of punches. Bunch of punches? Yeah, like a bunch of flowers, but punches. But they don't say a bunch of flowers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> punch K of flowers, a, a, a boo punch. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that it cannot have a name because it's so secret because you cannot advertise a business where it involves hitting somebody. <laughs> the business card is basically blank. So like if you know, you know. Club. If you know, you know. It's like the fight. We don't club talk about of, it. Okay. Yeah. I don't understand why you're not supporting me on on my business. I don't want you ventures. to get punched. I don't want to get punched All a bunch. Right. All these men. But there it is. Boo punch. <laughs> Boo punch. Well, Justina, 
thank you for being on the podcast as a guest. Thank you for having me as a guest. I'm so sorry. I was so cynical and negative. You don't have to I'll be back. You're still not the I'll most be back and negative. I'll be He's not positive by far the most cynical person who's been on the podcast. I very rarely get to say this to guests, but I love you. <laughs> I've heard you say it to guests before. <laughs> a lot. Honestly. So... I love you too, but I don't feel special. Absurd. Absurd. Delightful. I hope you really enjoyed that because she's super funny and it's, it's fun. And I like that about her. Okay. What can I say? What can I say? I hope you enjoyed that. She mentioned TikTok there. Why don't you follow her on TikTok at Justina567. She's got some funny stuff on there. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at There It Is Pod, and subscribe to our YouTube channel at There It Is. You can follow me on Twitter at Jason Farr Jokes and on Instagram at Jason Farr Picks. Also, subscribe to our comedy lifestyle newsletter and support us if you can. We have a Patreon and a PayPal, and you can go to ThereItIsPod.com for newsletter and support info. Links in bio. Until next time, be good to each other. The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr. (laughs) 